Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, a message to guys, a message to Garcia, by Albert Hubbard. This is first published in 1899 in a magazine published by Hubbard called The Philistine, uh, a periodical of protest. Uh, this is for the March issue, and it was republished apparently many, many, many times, depending on who you believe and <laughs> who you can believe, uh, between 40 million and 80 million or many, many more times. Um, I don't think either of those numbers is correct, 40 or 80 or any number above. I think that that's hyperbole. Um, but it did get some, yeah, it did get some circulation and somebody saying 225 million. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I'd never heard of this until you pointed out, uh, its existence after we talked about a story on this podcast called, um, Pigs is Pigs by Ellis Parker Butler. That is a story that had a similar sort of explosive um uh, i don't know publication history um and that was a highly influential story this story also was highly influential at least up to the nixon administration um i'm not sure it's still highly influential but i think it really does capture a certain kind of quality and mindset in the way that other pieces like it have in previous centuries so all that being said it's uh, about nine minutes to read. Would you care to read it for us? Sure. Thank you. <clears throat> A message to Garcia. In all this Cuban business, there is one man stands out on the horizon of my memory like Mars at perihelion. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountains, fastness of Cuba, no one knew where, no mail nor telegraph message could reach him. The president must secure his cooperation and quickly, what to do? Someone said to the president, there's a fellow by the name of Rowan will find Garcia for you if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How the fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, in four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot and delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point I wish to make is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he at? By the eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze and the statue placed in every college of the land. It is not book learning young men need, nor instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the vertebra which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. 
General Garcia is dead now, but there are other Garcias. No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed, but has been well nigh appalled at times by the imbecility of the average man, the inability or unwillingness to concentrate on a thing and do it. Slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem the rule, and no man succeeds unless by hook or crook or threat he forces or bribes other men to assist him, or mayhap God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light for an assistant. You, reader, put this matter to a test. You are sitting now in your office. Six clerks are within call. Summon any one of them and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of of Correggio. Will the clerk quietly say, yes, sir, and go do the task? On your life, he will not. He will look at you out of a fishy eye and ask one or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Don't you mean Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shan't I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay you ten to one that after you have answered the questions and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off and get one of the other clerks to help him try to find Garcia and then come back and tell you there is no such man. Of course, I may lose my bet, but according to the law of average, I will not. Now, if you're wise, you will not bother to explain to your assistant that Correggio is indexed under the C's, not in the K's, but you will smile sweetly and say, never mind, and go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch hold and lift are the things that put pure socialism so far into the future. If men will not act for themselves, what will they do when the benefit of their effort is for all? A first mate with knotted clubs seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce Saturday night holds many a worker to his place. Advertise for a stenographer, and nine out of ten who apply can neither spell nor punctuate, and do not think it necessary to. Can such a one write a letter to Garcia? You see that bookkeeper, said the foreman to me in a large factory? Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant, but if I'd send him downtown to on an errand, he might accomplish the errand all right, and on the other hand, might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to Main Street, would forget what he had been sent for. Can such a man be entrusted to carry a message to Garcia? We have recently been hearing such much maudlin sympathy expressed for the downtrodden denizen of the sweatshop and the homeless wanderer searching for honest employment. And with it all goes many hard words for the men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in a vain attempt to get frowsy 'er ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work and his long patience striving with help that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and factory, there is a constant weeding out process going on. 
The employer is constantly sending away help that have shown their incapacity to further the interest of the business and others are being taken on. No matter how good times are, this sorting continues only if times are hard and work is scarce. The sorting is done finer, but out and forever out the incompetent and unworthy go. It is the survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep the best, those who can carry a message to Garcia. I know one man of really brilliant parts who has not the ability to manage a business of his own and yet who is absolutely worthless to anyone else because he carries with him constantly the insane suspicion that his employer is oppressing or intending to oppress him. Should a message be given him to take to Garcia, his answer would probably be, take it yourself and be damned. Tonight, this man walks the streets looking for work, the wind whistling through his threadbare coat. No one who knows him dare employ him, for he is a regular firebrand of discontent. He is impervious to reason, and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of a thick-soled number nine boot. Of course, I know that one so morally deformed is no less to be pitied than a physical cripple, but in our pitying, let us drop a tear, too, for the men who are striving to carry on a great enterprise, whose working hours are not limited by the whistle, and whose hair is fast turning white through the struggle to hold in line dowdy indifference, slipshod imbecility, and the heartless ingratitude which, but for their enterprise, would be both hungry and homeless. Have I put the matter too strongly? Possibly I have, but when all the world has gone a-slumming, I wish to speak a word of sympathy for the man who succeeds. The man who, against great odds, has directed the efforts of others, and having succeeded, finds there's nothing in it, nothing but bare board and clothes. I have carried a dinner pail and worked for a day's wages, and I have also been an employer of labor, and I know there is something to be said on both sides. There is no excellence, per se, in poverty. Rags are no recommendation, and all employers are not rapacious and high-handed any more than all poor men are virtuous. My heart goes out to the man who does his work when the boss is away, as well as when he is at home. And the man who, when given a letter for Garcia, quietly takes the missive without asking any idiotic questions— and with no lurking intention of chucking it into the nearest sewer or of doing aught else but deliver it, never gets laid off, nor has to go on a strike for higher wages. Civilization is one long, anxious search for just such individuals. Anything such a man asks shall be granted. His kind is so rare that no employer can afford to let him go. He is wanted in every city, town, and village, in every office, shop, store, and factory. The world cries out for such. He is needed and needed badly. The man who can carry a message to Garcia. Thank you. Um, I I really hate this story. I, I love it also because it's so interesting, but I do not accept his message he has a question have i put the matter too strongly yes he has he says 
He says, I have carried a dinner pail and worked for a day's wages, and I have also been an employer of labor, and I know there is something to be said on both sides. This is almost exclusively on one side. And then he goes on to make the extraordinary, and I believe completely false claim, and the man who was given a letter for Garcia quietly takes the missive without asking any idiotic questions and without, with, without, sorry, with no lurking intention of chucking it in the nearest sewer and doing aught else but deliver it, never gets laid off. Um, that is evident by its most famous usage um, is absolutely not true. Um, the most famous usage was, as far as I, I am aware, is by Nixon on the uh, uh, Watergate tapes, where he says um, somebody has got to send a message to Garcia, um, and that being the message is actually to his attorney general, I think it was, or no, maybe White House attorney Dean, uh, what's his name, John Dean. John. Right. Right. Uh, and he's getting fired. He says somebody's got to get this man out. Right. This is a guy who did what he exactly was told. Right. This this is a very powerful essay imploring. Uh, it's an essay, right? It's not a story. Right. I think I think it's an essay or a column or something. Him imploring, you know, people to sort of pick themselves up by their own bootstraps and take responsibility. And you can see how this uh, apparently this is on um, uh, like military student reading lists. In the same way that yep. Starship Troopers is, and it's like just be proactive, follow orders, don't question your commander about silly little details, you know, take initiative. Well, that's it's it's sort of that kind of story. And of course, we have the whole other side, the people who are slackers on the job. I've seen them, I've been them. <laughs> <laughs> I I I do see the other side, but um, I I also think it's in context. You know this this letter that needed to be delivered to Garcia. Um, you know there maybe you should have some questions instead of just following orders. Why are we in, going to invade Cuba? Why is that a good idea? No, you need to follow orders, son. And so yeah, I have a problem with this story <laughs> or essay, but I can see why it was so powerful. Um, I, I, I have no idea what you think of it, but you suggested we read it, so I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. Well, um, I first came upon this um, in the 1960s when, um, in a social occasion, um, a, a person older than I, substantially older than I, who was a manufacturer, mm-hmm. used the expression, um, a message to carry a message to Garcia, and I I didn't know what it was. And I asked, and he said, you don't know what that is? Um, why? You can find it uh, right there in every Hilton hotel. They used to hand out, the copies of this used to be in hotel dr- rooms the way the Gideon Bible is. I mean, it really was widely distributed. The question is, Whose interests are being served? Right. And I think you're quite right. Uh, the interests that are being served here are that of the employer. It is very lopsided. Yes. And where responsibility arises, it is um, minimized. So, for instance, it says, when war broke out between Spain and the United States, right. war didn't break out. Nope. <laughs> you know, 
the United States sank a warship in the Havana Harbor and used that as a pretext. Uh, you know, well, I mean, we don't know. We don't know 100 percent that they sank it themselves, but it definitely sank. Right. It, it definitely sank. The main definitely went down and war didn't just break out. People decided to go to war. Um, th- this story about sending a message to Garcia apparently is is based on an historical example, uh, an exp- historical fact of a, a colonel named Rowan, who was in the uh, intelligence service of the military. It really did happen. Mm-hmm. But as I read it, what I keep finding is that it serves the interests of the imperious. Yes. Not to mention imperial. And it shows no sympathy for the others. And and uh, that is the workers. I mean, the, the phrase, the um, the imbecility of the average man, yes. really? Yes. I mean, I, I've never owned my own company, but I have been an administrator and had people who report to me. And I've got to tell you, the average individual comes complete with a brain. And if you have structured the work environment the right way, the people who report to you will do wonderful things, things you didn't think of yourself. Um, The the attitude projected here is, to me, terrible. But what I find is that this, a message to Garcia, which became a catchphrase for at least half a century, well, at least six decades, because I encountered it in the 60s. Um, uh, I guess that would have been the seventh decade. Um, And pigs is pigs became a catchphrase. Mm -hmm. Pigs is pigs, meaning, well, you know, things just are what they are, and you got to do them. They both talk about an employee. Mm -hmm. In pigs is pigs, you've got a guy who just says, well, you know, I, I don't know what you want me to do with these guinea pigs. They're just reproducing like crazy. And the rule bound company keeps misinterpreting what's going on, um, judging everything by the rules until we have a ridiculous situation in which they, they can't handle all of the infinitely multiplying guinea pigs. So the only smart person in the whole thing, it's a satire of, of the rule bound. The only smart person is the employee. However, the employee continues to follow the rules. He asks, he's told, and he just does it. He does not, in fact, show the initiative of breaking the rules. Here, Rowan doesn't ask, and he manages to show the initiative. But by showing the initiative here, he is serving those who are too uninformed, if not foolish, to be able to give him useful orders. In both cases, in other words, I see a tension, and I think you've just been suggesting it. You want someone to show initiative, but you want them to do what you want them to do. And now you can't sort of have either one of those in the extreme, right? You've got to take a reasonable amount of initiative. And in both of these stories, there is an unreasonable relationship between authority and the individual. They come at it from different sides, but I am fascinated that in America, starting at the beginning of the 20th century, these stories became became significant for a representation of labor relations. Mm -hmm. That the message to Garcia 
comes marvelously easily out of the mouths of the employers and pigs is pigs with its lower class grammar comes easily out of the mouths of workers. But neither story suggests a reconciliation. I notice that this is published, as you say, in the Philistine, which was its subhead is a periodical of protest. Mm -hmm. It was published by the Roycroft Society. Uh, Roycroft was a commune uh, founded, co-founded by Hubbard, as, as I know you know, Jesse. It's very important to the arts and crafts movement if one wants to find comparable figures that l- sort of suggest the kind of person that, that Albert Hubbard was. Probably the nearest fit is William Morris in England. And William Morris was the first employer, I believe, the first employer to actually use um, profit sharing with his employees. He was an ardent socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, we could go on at length about all of the things that William Morris did and in many different uh, forms. Um, Hubbard creates a commune. He puts people to work on many, many different things. Uh, and yet, he says it's because of the imbecility of the average man that socialism will never work. Right. Oh, and he doesn't say never. He says not in this age or something to that effect, right? Quite right. Quite right. So Morris, in a position to actually put his his pounds where his pence are, where his mouth is, creates a situation in which workers actually profit by their labor and enacts proto-socialism. He really does it. Mm-hmm. Hubbard has the Roycroft Society. And then what he does is he starts printing up and selling copies of this particular essay when he finds out that it rings, um, it resonates with employers and sells millions of copies so that employers can give it to their workers Mm -hmm. to get them to realize that you should just do what I tell you without me having to give you orders. Right. How are they supposed to read your mind or understand the situation? This is a, a um, serious problem, a serious problem. And it, 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 it's, I mean, it's so full of sort of these very easy, but also like obviously powerful ideas, very easy, as in too easy in my view. And then, and then he'll say, no, you know, I, I'm reasonable, <laughs> but I'm not. It's the average man who's an idiot, right? It's almost yep. like he's had a conversation with a, with one of his employees, found that he was unable to communicate uh, what he wanted the employee to do, or the employee was loafing, right? Which I think is might even be a word right in here, and if it's not, it should be because that's a word that I've heard before. Um, if highly influential and influential not on just on the minds of employers, but on employees too. Yes, and. I think it has um, the power of the fact that this was powerful is extraordinary to me. I I see this as a a significant cultural document. It wouldn't be if, you know, he wrote it and put it in a drawer, but it truly was um, a powerful, powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And as significant as Hubbard was in many ways, including for the arts and crafts movement, um, in fact, he is best known for this. And I start to look at it. What 
what is he implying about people? Well, he's telling us directly that the average person is lazy. In fact, he he does say loaf. Mm -hmm. Um, The average person is lazy, but employers are not. No. Really? And, And what makes you think that the average employer, especially those who inherited their means of production rather than built them themselves, Uh, What makes you think that they are, in fact, hardworking? It has consequences here. You know, he says, it is not book learning young men need, nor instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the vertebra, which will cause them to be loyal to a trust. Right. To act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing. Carry a message to Garcia. Now, I can understand that what men may need is a stiffening of the vertebra. You can argue that people should be more self-reliant and more committed. I mean, I can see an argument for that. But he says they shouldn't have book learning. They don't need instruction. Where are the tools for them to accomplish what needs to be accomplished if they don't learn them somehow? Now, interestingly, our hypothetical employer, you, reader, put this matter to a test. What's the test he gives his, his hypothetical employee. Does he say, here's a letter, take it to Garcia? No. He says, please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Correggio. Really? Correggio in upper New York state? Who the heck is supposed to know about Correggio if they haven't had book learning? I almost so, thought it was a satire. I thought, I, I, and I'm still not 100% convinced it isn't. I don't know enough about Hubbard to know. I mean, I know he's a bullshit artist because he's <laughs> saying 40 million copies were sold, and then his son says 80 million, and then somebody else says 225. Like it, it it's it's uh, puffery, as they would call it today, right? Um, yeah. And the thing is, is this is actually very slapdashly written. In a certain sense, you know, there's all sorts of, in our original version, there's all sorts of, um, like, there's a missing word here or there. There's uh, punctuation sometimes with with per- periods and sometimes with little leaves. Um, there's spelling, you know, fiscal is spelled differently. Frowsy, okay, that's a word, but it's pretty unusual. Uh, it, he, he doesn't seem to have spent a lot of time, I don't know, composing it as a, as a reasoned argument as much as, like, He's in the passionate throes of anger at some employee not doing exactly what he says. I mean, the number of times he calls for violence against this employer employees is pretty high. He says um, he is impervious to reason, and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of a thick-soled number nine boot. Right? Yeah. He he carries, uh, you know, and then he says of his uh, of employees. Um, he carries with him constantly the insane suspicion that his employer is oppo- oppressing or intending to oppress him. Um, that's not necessarily an insane suspicion. That is, it's not so much oppression, uh, you know, that's sort of an uncharitable reading. It's like exploit, right? Um, threatened I th- with firing. Absolutely. I mean, what's what's been happening in America recently is is a clear demonstration that corporate profits are going higher and higher and higher and wages have been stagnant. Now, when the, the essay says someone who does his job will never have to worry. In fact, he will be paid more. 
Bullshit. Well, yeah, well, I guess we can call that also. And yet, there is this underlying tension. As, as satiric as Pigs as Pigs is, and as fulsome and uh, f- uh, fulminating as uh, a mustard to Garcia is, there is that fundamental issue in, in a capitalist arrangement that you want people who show initiative, you want people to, who accept responsibility, and yet you want people who submerge their interests in that of the, the larger um, enterprise, which is to say, follow orders. I mean, we see this tension in every military organization mm-hmm. in the United States. It is absolutely clear that someone in the military must follow an order given to that individual. But if the order is illegal, they are required to not follow it out. So in theory, every member of the U.S. military has got to be familiar with the Uniform Code of Military Justice so that they know when they can show initiative and when they can't. The, 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 the tension here is palpable. And these two works, Pigs is Pigs and Message to Garcia, have, take two different attitudes toward the employee. And yet uh, one of them lets us know that the owners of the production are inherently bad. And the other lets us know that the employees are inherently bad. And yet here we are over a century later, having managed collectively to create more wealth than the world has ever known previously. You got to somehow figure these guys are missing the mark. Mm -hmm. They are too simple. And yet it's their simplicity. I think that makes them resonate and have the power of starting a discussion. Mm -hmm. And it's in those discussions that we really need to find answers, much more subtlety than we get here. That's why there is an urgency to recognize that there is always more to say. And remember... You can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep.